Wherever you are in the world, we back, we back, we back from Bricktown. Dad, how you doing? Doing wonderful. I'm still breathing. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, well, I had a meeting with the Ku Klux Klan last night. I was in the front. You had a meeting with the Ku Klux Klan? Yep. How did that happen? Well, they have something called the Scotland Highland Games here. And, uh... You know, my, my son Tommy had suggested we buy a ticket, so we sponsored it. So we went to it, and so, as soon as I got in the door, uh, the lady said, you need to go to the back of the room way over there and go outside. That's what the lady said to me as I walked in the door. She said, none of these, all these tables are taken. You need to go in the back of the bus, in other words. So we went there, and we ate down, and, and we sat in the There was an empty table in the back there, and so we went to that. And the guy came up and said, oh, you're sitting in my wife's seat. You need to move. Um, I'm a belligerent little guy, and I said, okay. He, and his wife said, no, no, you stay there. I'll sit in another seat. She sat next to us. But it was really a hostile, to me, it was a very hostile place. Uh, I know that the director of, the, of this, you know, the guy who's in charge of it, has d- did his best to make sure, make me, you know, comfortable. But I didn't see him that day, yesterday. The fact is that you have other people below him who haven't changed in a hundred years. Here in Scotland County, remember, there's not a single black business that's not a funeral home but us. And you know, uh, the bottom line of this is, this is one of the most 1950s segregated places in the entire country. And uh, it was, you know, bashing our faith again last night and they had the Highland Games today, I didn't even go to them. We know we had tickets for it. My son had said, make sure you get a you know, get a, a sponsorship, so we did that. But it kind of rubbed in my face exactly what the deal is. And that's unfortunate. Because I've been to chairman there, uh, Bill, I think his name is, did a good job to try to, you know, make me comfortable, but it wasn't him. It's everybody else. We at Scotland County have a population, I'm not sure, I'd say about, you know, 40,000 people. And we have a probably one major city, which is Laurenburg. And in Laurenburg and in Scotland County, our business, which is an RV park, you know, resort area, is the only black business not a funeral home in the entire county. And that's just, in today's times, it's like you're going back to, you know, before Brown versus Board of Education. That's what these people are. I remember, I remember the Chime Chamber of Commerce, how RV park cost about $600,000 to build, and none of the builders who built it were from this county. They were from this county over, which are mostly Indians, Native Americans, Lumbee <coughs> Indians, which did a wonderful job. And I sit here and look and listen to this and watch what happened. We have built the largest church in North Carolina, and actually in the, in the whole country. And we're, we're, we're finishing out for a big meeting in a couple, about three weeks. And I sit there and look at this and say, if it is not what we do, they're going to treat us the same way. But as we walked in, as I said yesterday, the lady said, the only lady said to me, you need to go to the back of the room over there. All, all, these, all these tables are taken. There was about four or five empty tables. All these tables are taken. You need to go on out that back door and sit out there on the porch. In other words, in the back room where black folks are allowed to be. I was the only black person there. 
uh, it was a, kind of a demeaning kind of thing, but my point on that is, you know, my son had asked me to do this, and I did it. Uh, I'm not sure we'll ever do it again. And I think that's emblematic of where we are as a country. These are all Trump supporters. The guy who sat with us is definitely Trump supporters. Thumb is a doorknob, but he's a definite Trump supporter. And he's giving me all this off-the-wall stuff, and I'm saying, I said one or two things to him that nobody had ever refuted what he was saying. Because it's obvious that he only talks to himself and people like him. And that's where our country's at. And that's really kind of unfortunate. This, you know, dedicated 30% to Trump has galvanized. He's done, he's galvanized it. And empowered it. It's really dangerous for our country and for the democracy. They'd rather have somebody like Trump running the whole thing and making sure that we go back to, to 1850. Not 1950. And for the people out there listening who aren't aware of their history, this is the same thing that happened after Reconstruction in the 1800s. And we, and we didn't recover from that for a hundred years as people have come. And that's what's happening now. Uh, if we don't get this uh, bill that Biden wants to pass, if Manchin and, and this other lady managed, managed to stop everything, even though it's supposed to be Democrats, he said, we'll go back in history. The Trump will win eventually. And if not him, his son will be take his place because he'll make sure of that. And that will be tragic. And there'll be a civil war here in that case. And that's where I think we're headed, unfortunately. As a person who's been in politics for a long time, I've died straight from what I see. And uh, there's nothing I can do about it at 76, but I see it and as a person who's of color who's been in politics, you can see what happened. It's the majority of people who want us to do the right thing, but it's a dedicated minority who are now Republicans. We're really segregationists. Who doesn't want to go back to that and want to be the dedicated? They passed all these bills to make sure people couldn't vote. The same bunch of bills were passed right after Reconstruction. Same exact thing. And we didn't we didn't get rid of those bills until, you know, we went through civil rights era, a hundred years later. Unfortunately for these people, everybody has more sense, both black and white. So it's a bad, bad part of our country, the people who are listening to this, who are seeing it, and it's, I'm, as a person of color who's been a politician, it's very clear to me what's going on. Uh, the, cinema, the cinema lady, as I think is a nut, and Manchin is just playing both sides and getting paid and bought, bought by, the, by the big business interest. The people in West Virginia, where he's supposed to be represented, 90% want to pass this bill. And he's holding it up. Same thing with Arizona. 80% want to support it over there. She's holding it up. Because she wants to get paid, too. That's, this is awful. And, and I, as, a, as a politician who never got paid, never accepted any bribes, I just find this to be, to be deplorable. And uh, that's just, I guess that's where I'm at today. Well, well, but, but, but I will say this. I have hope that we can, it will come out one, the way it needs to. Generally, people at the end do the right thing, even those, these, these two idiots. First, Dad, I want to just say I'm sorry that that experience happened to you last night. I know it was painful and I, I've been in similar experiences. They don't feel good, and just know I love you. God loves you, Rudy. Rudy, I don't feel bad about it 
because it wasn't me who did it. I understood it. And my point of that is, this older lady is part of this cabal that's here in Scotland County. And I'm breaking it up, believe it or not. Because there's nothing they can do to me. I don't depend upon them for anything. And, uh, you know, me and Chairman were there, and they didn't want us there. I will say about the chairman of that thing, I called him the night before and said, are we supposed to be coming to this thing? Because it was kind of unclear when we got our, got our package, which somehow got misdelivered until the last day. And uh, he said, oh, no, you're supposed to be there. Make sure you come. And I did. And I'm saying that there are, are right-thinking people here who do the right thing. And everybody's not like that, but that's, that's who's here. That's a hard cadre of these people here. And as I watch them, you know, it's, We've had some gains, and then we've had some losses here in this county. But let's just sit down and face it. If you have no black businesses, we're at the mercy of them. And these racists run and control everything. I'm not talking about white people necessarily, but racists. You know, we have a serious, every fast food restaurant there is, including Biscuitville, believe it or not, is in Carver, is in, is in Lombard, every single one. And you go to any one of these restaurants, and they're completely 100% staffed by black people. That's all is there. And just most of them are run by black managers. But we don't own nothing. There's a huddle house here that a black guy got the franchise for, and they did everything possible to make sure he could not open it. And finally, he sold the franchise and opened it right away. So you talk about 1950s and 60s stuff happening here. And that's awful. If we can shine a light on that, I think it would be good for all of us. And I will say to Bill, who runs the Holly uh, Games, we didn't go because I didn't really didn't feel comfortable being uh, embarrassed again. So, but the bottom line of that is, you know, he's doing doing best he can for his heritage, and I understand that. And he's been very, very nice to me and very polite. I don't have any bad things to say about him. And I'm gonna invite him over to dinner soon. So we'll work, we'll work it out. And uh, I'll say that to say, we as a county have to have black and white leaders get together and do it right. I've been a member of the Chamber of Commerce for the entire, we've been here 14 years. I remember calling the Chamber President in to talk about when we started doing our, our latest expansion. He said he said he had a guy who was gonna do that. No matter what, he'd come and do it. That guy came in to look at me and Tommy's what we were talking about building. We did a big deck build. And the guy looked at me, walked around for a little bit, and walked back to where I where house was. His only question was, where did Tommy sleep at? Because he sleeps in that house with the rest of us. Where do you think he sleeps? And the bottom line of that was, I never saw that guy again. He didn't want to do business with us. As, as we built our parks 13 years ago, and we spent $600,000 to build it, not a single builder or artisan from this county built any of it. All of them were built from the county over, which are mostly Native Americans. That's what's going on to a lot of people who want to start businesses in this country. That's deplorable. As a politician, when I was a mayor, I really never understood that. I had one you know, Chinese guy who came into me one day in my office in my last year and said, we have a building inspector who makes sure he won't get, won't get, us, won't, won't get us our permits, mainly because he wants us to pay him off. Well, I called my city manager in and made sure that guy got his bill up in that day. And that's what needs to happen here more than anything else. 
we need to shine a light on what's going on here. And I think that's among the things that need to happen. So I'm going to catch up with Bill next couple of days, invite him over for dinner. And my bottom line is I'm going to sit down and talk about what I think I plan on doing to shine a light on what's happening in Scotland County and to everybody. Because this is deplorable in our time and our age. These folks are, done, are doing disservice to the... Because you have, what you have is a subservient black community that does nothing else but work in fast food restaurants. And we have every fast food restaurant in Lombard that there is. They added Biscuitville, which I went in the other day. And the bottom line of that is, I went to you, and I guess it was Friday morning, and the line was you know, at least 50 people deep. I couldn't believe it. Biscuitville. McDonald's had nobody in it, believe it or not, until I went over there, and then there were some people then later on who migrated from Biscuitville. <laughs> and Biscuitville is a, is a, is a good, 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 train, good chain anyway. I'm not arguing about Biscuitville. But all the place, all the people who work in all these fast food restaurants are people of color. That's what they do. That's the only business that's the only business allowed, and all of them are females. No, almost none of them are males. It's the only business we're allowed to have in Scotland County, and that's awful. We need to do something to change that. The chamber could change that. I, I began talking to him about let's do a high school program and getting people to adopt high school high school males to work in their businesses as juniors and seniors, so they know how to do that. He said, that's a good idea, Bob. And basically he said, I'll get back to you. Of course, he never did. That's where we are. So um, that's the point of our, of our podcast that we need to deal with. Because if, when you shine a light on this stuff, it stops it. Uh, I was talking, I sent an email today to my college roommate in Quinnipiac, Rich Lager. Wonderful guy. He was a Jewish guy from the same, same county as I was from, Queens. And we spent, you know, a year together, and he was, he was, he had never lived with a black guy before, and, and it was, he was a wonderful guy. He was a, he was, I was in a black fraternity, he was in a white fraternity, and we had a good time. And uh, he always called me feel good. Because I remember one time, his fraternity was doing some kind of a rush thing for the, the freshmen were doing, they wanted to get him out and, and leave him in the woods somewhere. He said, feel good, don't open that door. That's not who you think it is. Of course I opened the door, they grabbed him and took him out to the woods. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> when I got married later on that year, he was at our wedding uh, with your mother, and he was, he was the bartender. And I hadn't seen him since, but uh, he was just a wonderful guy. I've invited him to come out and spend a week or so with us by email just a few minutes because I was thinking about him. But all of this is what I'm saying that there have been people who have been very nice to me and have helped me, whatever they look like. As a mayor of an all-white city, I think I, I, I had a lot of people who helped but we, but we are changing stuff. Change, times are changing, and we cannot let something like what's happening here happen. I'm going to talk to Bill uh, tomorrow from the, uh, uh, the Island Games tomorrow, and I'm going to invite him over for dinner. And tell him what I think I'm going to do. And if he can't change it, I'm not going to worry about it. But it'll be in the New York Times a couple of weeks after that. I like the fight, Dad. I like the, the, the fight for justice. I like the energy you got in your voice. You sound good. Yeah. But remember, I've been a fighter all my life. The one thing about this podcast is revitalized to me. It's all of the different things. I, I got almost to the top of it, and somebody needed to make a decision who was always white and said, no, we're not going to do that with you. And somebody else who was white took that same idea and made fortunes with it. As I go through my life, and, and Bricktown has told me this, 
this is this is how I got we got swindled all these times. This time uh, we were able to have enough funds from Sue Auburn University to build it without anybody's help. And the bottom line of this is, this is where we are. And uh, you know, my whole my whole thing is that's what Bricktown needs to talk about. And that's where we are. And for the people who do listen, eventually somebody, everybody will listen to it. This is the book that you're going to have to write. So I think it will be a bestseller. I think it's going to be the best book you've ever written, even though you write one book a year, you know. At least one, usually two or three. This is your best book. The Life and Times of Oh Doc Feelgood, Bob Drexel. <laughs> All right, Doc Feelgood. Um, how was your trip to Minnesota? Great. We spent time at Shaman's Farm up there. Uh, we spent a, lot, a little bit of time in seeing all the kids and everything. I went to Sharon's reunion. Of course, I integrated it, of course. <laughs> it was her 50th high school reunion. And, of course, they were, you know, most of them had been to never was this. Sharon was the most successful person there, by far. They didn't want to accept that necessarily, but it was fact. And most of the ladies, you know, got along well with her. There's one or two, and I guess the thing that kind of surprised me, it surprised one or two people, is the cliques that they had in high school were the cliques they had in this 50th reunion. Same cliques. And Sharon went to school, high school, in Alexandria, Minnesota, but she came from a little local city school in a place called Carlos, Minnesota, which is about 10 miles away. So all these little schools got together in one high school in the same county. And of course, the people in Carlos got along fairly well. And the people remembered her, but the people who were part of the other clique, the big, the big, big boy cliques, they said, "Oh, you're so and so. Yeah, I remember you a little bit." And kept on walking, and they went. They had a, they had a thing on the golf club, which was a burger thing, and they had a, a golf tournament early, which I didn't go. to. I went to the burger thing, and it was you no know, interest. It was, I would say, I haven't been members of golf clubs all over the country. This was a Class D golf club. It wasn't nothing special. I remember when I was in the cable business, I was offered two or three golf clubs to get, they were willing to give it to me if I picked up the debts for them. I never took any of them. Uh, golf clubs, golf courses are losers. I knew that 30 years ago. And I, as I began looking at what's going on with golf and everything else, owning a golf club is the worst business you can be in. It's, it's the first, it's a, it's a surefire bet to bankruptcy. So no, um, but I went there, we went to that, and then we went to a restaurant in the little town that's off Alexandria that Sharon grew up in, and Carlos. And we went there, and they had a, a, a nice restaurant that apparently used to be a roller rink. And it, was, it had to be the worst food I've ever eaten, literally. And they part, they, they charged like you were in the world of the story. I mean, I mean, they had a seafood thing, that, I forgot what it was, it was like a soup. I couldn't tell what was in the soup. So. What did you order there? Uh, it was a seafood, uh, like a bisque. They said they had shrimp in it, tiny shrimp in it. And everything else, I told them, the waitress said, this is on the edible just about. And uh, so the lady came by and said, well, I said, you'll have to drink, I'll just give it to you. It's fine. I was going to make a scene, but I'll never go back. What's the name of that restaurant, Sean? 
L-U-R-E in uh, Carlos, Carlos, Minnesota. So they, they have they have the advertisement from me. Okay, all right. Tell me how you really feel about it. Oh, well, my point is, yeah, the people are nice. I wouldn't say that. It's just they couldn't cook. And, yeah. and if you look at the restaurant at the at the at the, at the menu, it sounded tremendous. When the food came out, I said, "What is this we're eating?" It's looking like something you got from a garbage leftover garbage place. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, you also wanted to talk about Muhammad Ali. I did? You said he was something about picking up girls, picking up girls with tasers. Oh, cars. yeah, yeah, yeah. When he first got to be a world champion, he was in New York City <coughs> in, in the black parts of Queens. He'd run around in, in a camp convertible and pick up girls and challenge people to a fight if they wanted to have a fight, which almost nobody wanted. And uh, but he was just wild as can be. That Muhammad Ali was nothing like the one that really became famous later on. But he was still a world champion then. I think this was just after he became the Olympic champion. He may not have been world champion then. And before so he, he the challenged with you the, to a, he to a fight then. He challenged me to no fight. No, I just looked at him. But he challenged me. Wait, 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 wait. He said, "Anybody want to fight Muhammad Ali? Would you say that?" No, he didn't quite say it that way. He said if people said something to him, he challenged them back. I didn't say nothing to him. I had no desire to get my ass beat. Come on. No desire for that. And, and, and you know, my, my opinion, most people didn't either. I don't remember anybody taking him up on any challenges. But I know he issued a couple. We, we used to call them those, those, those days wolf tickets. <laughs> Anybody gave him? He gave a lot of a lot of wolf tickets, but nobody picked that one. <laughs> and he had like a you know like a Corvette convertible, a beautiful car, I think it was pink. And uh, you know he was just picking up all the girls, and they all loved him because he had money. And uh, it was it's like when Joe James Joe Namus came into uh, Queens about a year or two after that, when he was in New York, when he was the president, you know the quarterback for the New York Jets and he won the Super Bowl and he had a, like an alpaca fur, fur coat and he come in and all the girls were just hanging up and he had about five or six girls on him. you know and he came in about three hours late to whatever place we were at and um, he just you know he just pick him up and take him on the road or whatever he was doing I'm not sure what he did with him but uh those are some of the some of the things that celebrities do even now. And I remember I had a girlfriend in the Bronx who uh, became a dentist, and she was uh, like the daughter of a dentist. And I forgot how I met her, but I remember going up to her apartment in an upscale apartment complex in the Bronx. And uh, it was well before meeting your mother or anybody else. And she was a you know a little cute girl, and we had. And she asked, as she was called, talking to me there, and I was in her house, at least three of the New York Jets called her at that time that she was going out with. And I kind of, I kind of said, I think this is out of my league. And really, I didn't see her for about, oh, 15 years. And ran into her after I was a mayor in the uh, Black Caucus in D.C. 
she was exactly the same, looked the same. And she announced she was a dentist. She hadn't been trained. She was a dentist. And she's still hanging out with all, with all these, you know, celebrity kinds of people and everything else. Uh, I don't think she was even married then either. She was. I didn't know about it. And, uh, but I was a lot wiser, not older. You're saying I she was dating the NFL Jets player, but she really needed a Jerry Tyreman. Yes, that's all I was is a Jerry Tyreman. So, and, uh, but you know, you know, a lot of this stuff, as you, as you go back through it, you begin to see some of the shallowness of females in a lot of these big cities. I mean, shallowness. They're going for the next big, big thing not whether this person will help them or help their kids or anything else. They're going for the star. Would you going consider for yourself a, a flashy guy in your younger years, a flashy person? I think so, yeah. So it sounded like you was trying to be flashy just like the girls. No, I, I, what I was trying to be is myself. But I was well educated <laughs> and doing the best I could do. And then you have a Z car. What kind of car did yeah, you have? Yeah, I had a 280Z. And why did you get to any of Because that was the class I wanted. That was the car I wanted. And why did you want the car, Dad? It's beautiful. 280Z at that time. Dr. 280Z, beautiful car to get. It wasn't because that, but it almost was. It's not because the ladies loved it? Not really. I wanted it. Some ladies loved it. Your mother loved it. But, you know, the key thing is, actually, when I got the 280Z, I was actually married to your mother. And the thing is that... Because we remember we went to Atlanta one time in it. And the thing with the 280C, it only has two seats. Then it has a space for, you know, to store stuff in the back, like a back chamber. And it had two places for little people to sit. That's where you and Bobby sat as we drove the four or five hours down to Atlanta. You probably don't remember that. And you slept in the back, laid down, slept in the back a couple of times. Bobby just sat there and watched. But that was, you know, for a family man looking back on it, that was not a real good car. And my next one after I bought it, after I got rid of it, was because I had a Camaro before that one, which had a bigger seat and everything else. And the Camaro was what I bought after I got out the army. It was a Camaro convertible. And then uh, the 280Z was, was big then. This was before they changed it to the 300, which came in later on. So that's what the original Zs. And, um, very, very different. Now, when is your uh, event, the RV event that you're hosting, what's the date for that? It's Sunday, the first week in November. Awesome. Awesome. Make sure you come. Uh, we're expecting now 300 people are coming for that tour. I'm not sure where you're going to put them, but they're going to be here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, yeah, no, I'll definitely be there to support. Uh, our campsite has been going well we got a camper today yeah and uh about to build the new campsite in uh chatham county good by jordan lake yeah and looking looking forward to it man. well you know the key thing with this is if you can build this with little or no debt the better off you're going to be one thing that has been our saving grace is we never had any debt nobody could look over our shoulders and say you needed to do this and you needed to do that and we're going to take the whole thing from you. That was one of the best things we have ever, ever did. We struggled, I know that, because of that. But, you know, we, we never did that. Uh, of course, we had, we had a settlement from Auburn University for racial discrimination. 
that we had a, we had a, a good sum of money to start out with. But uh, the bottom line is, uh, my brother said, you have, this, you have an RV. We have this land up there. Let's start this building an RV bar. I didn't know shit about starting RV bar except being in them. And so we learned how to do that, and we went to the RV association and learned how to do it. And I can say that we've got the most unique RV park in the entire country. No other RV park that I know of has glamping pods, has uh, tiny houses, and has yurts. No other RV park in the country does. And there are 15,000 RV parks, of which only three of them are owned by people of color. So we, we've, uh, you know, we feel good about it. And I'm glad that the association said, you folks need to come look at this guy and look at what he's doing. And then I found out with 300 people coming, and I'm saying, oh, this is going to be interesting. I'm not sure where we're going to put the motherfuckers. I need to go to call the sheriff and tell them about it. Fact. <laughs> so you can have, have sheriffs over here, you know, the new traffic control. Well, listen, I'm proud of you, Dad. I'm excited for it, and I'll be there looking forward to it. Remember, as I said, they have this uh, visit thing they do for the National Convention. No black park has ever been selected. And two, two cycles ago, the, bark, the black park was actually in that city. They never asked anybody to come. And it was a big black park. So, I mean, as you said, it's, it's only fewer few of us. I know more. The last one we went to in Knoxville had two or three younger people that were getting into the business, which I thought was wonderful. And of course, you're getting into it too, and you'll be at the national meetings. You get to see some of your peers. Well, look, we're coming toward the end of the show, Dad. What's your your wrap-up message to the people? The more things change, the more they stay the same, and that's unfortunate. If Biden can get his his, his stuff passed, the whole country will come out better, and I'm praying for that. If he can get his stuff passed, build back better. The whole country will do better. It won't affect me or you, but will affect our, your granddaughter, my granddaughter. And I think that's wonderful. And she's going to be a very uh, entitled person. My other grandchildren will be entitled also because we're going to do well. But this will keep a legacy going. I appreciate that. And the, both the people in the country, be fair to whoever you meet. Don't judge them on what they look like, whether they look like bums or just black folks or Latino folks or whatever. Learn who they are and try to help them any way you can, and they'll help you down the road. Thank you, and adios muchachos. Love you, Dad. Okay.